Welcome back to another episode of Ella Marie TV. This episode is with Ellie Lee, um, a journalist who has worked with MTV Korea, Viacom, um, and interviewed a lot of um, your favorite K-pop artists, including BTS and Super M. Um, she was a delight to speak with, and I'm really excited for you all to hear this one. As always, you can find the video at youtube.com backslash Ella Marie Terebi. T-E-R-E-B-I. Enjoy. So hello, good people. I am so excited to bring you this interview with uh, the amazing, beautiful soul that is Ellie Lee. If you're wondering where you've seen her before, let me jog your memory. VH1, iHeartMedia, Red Carpets, YouTube, Instagram, theater, you name it, she has done it. And not only has she done it, she's also giving back and teaching people how to do it, just like her. Welcome, Ellie. Hi, Ella. Thank you so much for having me. I, I first so want I first want to say, um, you know, I do this for a living and I can tell you're already a master at it. <laughs> I love your background. You so I love much. your look. I love your energy. You. you got it. You got Thank it going you. on, girl. I'm trying. I'm trying to trying to lean into it, really. Thank you yes. so much. I really appreciate it. Yes. And I really appreciate you on a Sunday morning um, getting up to sort of talk to everybody. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning, right? Let's start mm -hmm. with a little bit of background. I've seen in interviews you were born in Jersey. You were sort of mm -hmm. shy as you were younger. Tell us a little bit about that so we can sort of really tell the story yeah. there. Yeah, so I grew up in a Korean-American immigrant family from New Jersey. My dad owns um, small children's boutique stores. And um, I remember growing up, we watched a lot of TV and movies. And mm. um, I remember being in the theater one day when I was really young and just being enamored by like actors and film mm -hmm. and just feeling so many things. And I was like, that's what I want to do. But I think that when you're young and you're a person of color, and you don't see people that look like you in on TV or movies. I, in my mind, I was like, oh, this doesn't happen for people who look like me. So I'm just gonna bury the stream really deep and just like pretend it never like, you know, had all these like I conjured all these feelings when I was when I would watch films. And so, I you know buried that. So I grew up, and then I am a kid of the late '80s. So I grew up with this show on MTV called um, Total Request Live. It was a top ten oh. music video countdown. Yeah, you know. I know about TRL. Um, yes, exactly. It was a live show in Times Square. Fans were outside. It was like hosted by this guy named Carson Daly. And like every day I would run home from school and I would watch the show and I would look at him and I'd be like, I want to be him. Like I want to interview all of these like pop stars and like actors and things like that. And I want to learn how to get to where he's at. And so and my vision became like super, because in my mind I was like, I can do that. I don't know how to, like, I don't think that stars look like me, but like maybe I could interview the stars and like figure that out. And so I became obsessed with the idea. And like, if anyone's into astrology, I'm, my rising and my son are in Aries, which is like, I'm just a risk taker. I'm impulsive, yeah. I'm super, yeah, passionate, fire, ambitious. Yeah. And so I was obsessed with that dream for a long time. And then in college is when I started auditioning on my own. And that's when I started booking. Nice. Yeah. Love that. Mm -hmm. um, and I know you mentioned, you know, that when you started out a little bit younger, you were still kind of shy. You didn't really use your voice mm -hmm. that much. But yeah. talk to us a little bit about how sort of it seems like in high school is when the turning point yeah. sort of happened, right? Talk to us a little bit about how that came about and what you think sort of really got into that. 
Yeah, so I, my, I grew up really, really timid and scared and shy. I always say to people, like, you know how some people feel like old souls or like they've been here for a long time. Like, I'm definitely a new soul. Like, I, I've always felt like I've never been here before. And I always used to like look at other people and I'd be like, how do you know how to be here? Like, I've always felt that. And mm -hmm. so I grew up really timid, really shy, really scared all the time, really nervous. Like my friends would always make fun of me in church because every time they would curse or something, I'd be like, we need to pray. Like we need to like, not, we need to not be saying the word shut up and stupid and things like that. And um, I realized that who I was when I was younger was never going to help me survive or thrive in the real world because I was thrust in, I went to Catholic school, private school for a long time. And then I was thrust into public school. And in seventh grade, when I was in public school, I was like, these kids are different. I was like, they're not like who I grew up with. And I was like, and I was paired up with the most popular girl in my seventh grade class for math. And I remember I was so nervous and intimidated by her that I couldn't speak. And she raised her hand and it was like, can I get a new partner? Because my partner doesn't speak. And from that moment on, I realized if I don't stand my ground, if I don't discover who I am, I'm never, I'm always going to be in this kind of situation. And so that really propelled me into like finding who I really was and actually in, intrinsically and internally who I really was, was I was always this very like loud, outgoing um, I am extroverted, but I can be very introverted as well, but I thrive around people. I love energy, especially when it's like energy that like gets me going. And so I, um, decided from that day on, I was like, I'm never going to let this happen again. And that's kind of when like my life started to change. I call it being, yeah. um, an ambivert is what I call yes, it. So like exactly, you can be, you can be extroverted in the right situations and introverted in the right, right. situations. Exactly. That is exactly, so exactly. great. And I love how you pointed out about the old soul, the new soul. There's also I've read or heard a little bit about in like Korean culture, and I'm also a Korean Buddhist. I should mention I'm Wolbigo, so like I do one yes. Buddhism. And um, so like the idea of like which lifetime are you in is like something mm -hmm. that comes up a little bit. But I love that you talked about how you're like a new soul, and like this is like Definitely. maybe your first round at this, and like you're just getting this it my together, first round. and then like yeah, and then like the next ones, like you just have so many more to go. So I love that yeah. you that you mentioned that. So talk a little bit about because when you so you started to have this like intrinsic, really, you know, awakening moment where you're like, this is what I'm being called to do. Mm -hmm. What sort of happened there? Right? Because I think when you find that aspect, when you're authentically yourself and you mm -hmm. are really like in it, it really intimidates and scares people. Like how did mm -hmm. you sort of deal with that, especially in like those sort of earlier years, right? Like college, high yeah. school to college, right? Like what were some yeah. of the, you know, ways that you dealt with that? Well, you know, I've always felt like I was different. Like, um, I think when I changed schools from seventh to eighth grade and I moved to this new town where everybody's like rich and like, there was just people that I, I, I always grew up with like not a lot of money. So I grew up in towns like that. But then when we moved into this rich town, everything sort of changed and I would observe people and I'd be like, oh, this is like a whole different game. But the thing was that the popular girls in school always liked me because I was funny. And right. so they would invite me to all of these like gatherings. And soon I found myself like hanging out in the popular group. So even in high school, I was like always hanging out with like, the pretty girls who like dated all the, the hot jocks and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But I always felt like this wasn't, this wasn't was I, what I was supposed to be a part of, but I never could find my people. And I didn't even know like what mm -hmm. my people were. I just mm -hmm. knew that like, I was always different. Like even in my friends group now, I'm like, why am I always the odd pull out? Like, I just feel like I don't think or feel like other people. And I think it, it also has to go back to the fact that like, I am a very new soul and like things just 
I just don't work like other people. Um, but anyways, but also in that sense, I grew a lot, you know, you, you learn by observing and you learn by seeing what you, who you want to emulate, who you don't want to emulate. And I realized that I was never supposed to be a part of the, the marching race or the rat race or like what everyone else did. I was always going to go against the grain, whatever that meant. And I think that's why I've gone through so many things in my life because I'm a risk taker and I don't, I beat the, my, the beat of my own drum and I've never had anybody alongside of me who does that as consistently as me. And like, I think over the years too, I don't know if I'm answering the question, but I think over the years too, like people said, well, it's Ellie or Christine. It's like, actually, I'm not crazy. I'm just not afraid to like do things that scare me or like, I'm not afraid to like take that chance because it's just, it, I'm just not made in that way. And I think that for a long time, I was hard on myself for that. And now I'm like, yeah. no, 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 I love that part of myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I, I've seen it throughout, like, mo- like your videos, and like, when I was doing sort of my background research, right, like, this idea has, like, been with you the whole time, but verbalizing it and mm-hmm. really, like, saying it, I think is really starting to, to happen now. So yeah. around mm-hmm. sort of, like, 10 years ago right you start doing YouTube right you start Mm -hmm. out and you're interviewing people local artists and things like that Mm -hmm. the goal was to get to where you are now was that sort of what you were thinking or were you like I just want to create a YouTube channel and go with it yeah you know I I I fell in love with k-pop probably back in like 2008 2007 and yeah and I think it was the first time where I was proud of being Korean because I, yeah. I grew up like always oh, so different. So Korean people never really accepted me, especially Korean Koreans. Mm-hmm. And so even in high school, like I always battled that. Like they were like, you're too white or you're too this. Mm-hmm. And I was always really ashamed of my culture. And so when I fell in love with K-pop, it was the first time where I had this connection with like my motherland or, uh, you know, just people that looked like me. And so when I like something or when I fall for something, I'm a hundred percent it. That's why like, yep my relationships with men but anyways but I'm all but I'm all in all the time and so when I when I fell into k-pop I was like I'm gonna learn everything that I need to learn about this and so soon I became I started applying for like to be a k-pop writer and that's kind of what started my whole k-pop career and I became a k-pop writer for this k-pop site called pop soul and soul beats and then from then on I started making a YouTube channel for them and I started making commentary on YouTube yeah and then the artists would come to Korea and then I would interview them for the blog so like that's kind of how everything started with my k-pop career I love how you talked about that because in a similar vein, I mean, I won't talk too much about it, but in a similar vein, I've struggled with being too white for the black people, right? And then not black enough for the black people. And so it's just this this economy, but when you find where you sort of fit in, it Mm -hmm. sort of just doesn't matter anymore, right? Exactly. Um, I also got into K-pop around like 2009, 2010. I um, just fell into it head first, rabbit hole. Um, It was like two o'clock in the morning and it happened. (laughs) So I love that that was that. that. So tell us a little bit about what was your like favorite interview of your like early career? Like which one would you like love to do again? The first one that I ever did was Brian Drew from fly of the sky. And years prior to that, I thought I was going to marry him. So like, it was one of those moments where I was like, what is life? What's going on? And like, let's sit down. That was really the first time I had interviewed a celebrity. And I remember getting this high from it. And I don't know if he liked me or not, like in the interview, like, I don't know if I was making him laugh, but I was making myself laugh. And I was like, I'm really good at this. Like, I, yeah, I was like, I can really do this. And so that, that was very memorable for me. And he was really nice. And so I just really appreciate all of that. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. No, your interviews are just your energy is just infectious, right? Like Thank I was watching you. some of the other ones, like Tyra, when you were talking to her, and yes, many tips, and she was just like, okay, first of all, I'll yeah, do this, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. love it. Yeah. And yeah, then like yeah, yeah. Um, Juliana, you know, Rancic mm-hmm. was talking about you, you're killing yes. it, and all those different things. So like, I love that that was sort of part of the beginning of the story as well. So you started out doing the YouTube channel, you're doing the K-pop mm-hmm. coverage, things like that. Talk about how you got to sort of the VH1, Viacom, yeah. news, MTV sort of route. Yeah, well, long story short, I graduated college when the market crashed. And so right. okay. it was a really, really rough time. And I didn't I didn't know what I was doing in my life, but I didn't know where I was going. And then finally, after like probably like two years, I got my, I was like, F it, I'm just going to get a nine to five. And I got mm-hmm. hired at this marketing firm and I knew quickly this was not for me. Like, I'm not the kind of person that can do a nine to five. I, I can't do meetings. I can't do like conference calls. Like, you know, the difference between like, let's say an Aries and a Capricorn is that Capricorn, like one of my best friends is a Capricorn. Like, no matter what the job is, she will do 100% at. Like me, if I don't like something, I'm not going to no, pay attention to it. I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. What, what's your sign? I'm a Pisces sun, Capricorn rising, Virgo moon. There you Bitch, I call myself the ocean floor. See, I call myself the ocean floor because I have so much earth, but then I have the water, like the big water, and I'm like, wow. All right, we stand a Pisces and a Capricorn rising damn girl. Okay, you have a Virgo moon and a Virgo moon. Wow. Okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the Virgo moon really messed me up because like I'm a double fire, so it's like it's just very. Anyways, um, what would I say? I I call my friend, my friend Jess. She's um, she's a Taurus sun. And then she has a lot of fire in her chart, so we call her a forest fire. So I just I just make up sort of things like that, right? So you can just be a forest fire, you can be like a mini oh, a forest fire. mini one, right? Yeah, like you're yeah. just like burning with passion yeah. and just yes. really great. Um yeah. so yeah, we were um, just talking about how you got to VH1 Viacom. Oh yeah, yeah. So I was working this nine to five and I hated it. And around this time too, um, I had money for the first time and I was like right. the act the acting thing over the years had always been pulling me and I was like I'm just gonna take acting classes and I took an acting class and of course I fell deeply in love and I was like this is me and so I started taking all these classes I was working full-time and I booked this really small play in Times Square and I was like this is the dream and they Mm -hmm. weren't paying me anything but I was like this Mm -hmm. is the dream Mm -hmm. so I went into my boss's office and I said I'm quitting I'm quitting I'm gonna give you my two-week notice Mm -hmm. and he looked at me he's like are you insane and I was like I'm going to go pursue my dreams of like being an actress and being a host. Like I was, I'm just going to go figure it out. And he, his advice to me was don't do this because most women have to sleep their way to the top in this, in this industry. And I literally, I was so taken aback by that because I was like, that's not what I thought you were going to say. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I'm going to leave still. So I'm out. And so I left that job and I was sitting in my apartment in New York city. I had a thousand dollars in my bank account. I was like, okay, what do people do when they chase their dreams? And I had never been the kind, I can't be like a waitress or a server because I just don't have patience. And like, it just like, wasn't something I was going to thrive at. And I was like, oh my God, I love dogs. I'm going to be a dog walker. And so I literally became a private dog walker all over Manhattan. And that's what I would do during the days. I would watch, walk all of these dogs. And then in between those times, I would go and I would do work and I would grind and I would hustle and I, I mean, I literally would go to anything and everything by myself. I, I became like an usher for plays so I can watch plays um, for free. I would oh, go yeah. to, 
I would go to script readings by myself. I would go to, I would audition to things by myself. Like I just did anything and everything I could. Like I dove deep in. And during that time I auditioned for this upcoming manager and she was like, I think you're a star. I would love to work with you. And I was like, great. So during that time she was submitting me for a lot of things. And then she goes, and I go, oh, by the way, I host, I have a reel. And she was like, what do you mean you host? And I was like, oh, like I'm a host, but I was focusing on acting. And she was like, right. send me the reel. I was like, okay. So I sent her my stuff and she was like, girl, she's like, I'm going to send you out for everything. And so I started right. going out for all these network auditions and the VH1 came along and they were looking for a pop culture correspondent for VH1 news. And I read the description. I remember thinking like, this is so me. And so I walked into the MTV studios where like TRL used to shoot. And it was yep. like a very surreal moment. And I walked into the audition room and there was this really pretty Latino girl that was sitting waiting for her turn. And then this blonde white girl gets out of the audition and I recognized her and she was like this huge MTV star at the time. Yeah. And I was like, I had this moment where I was like, why am I here? I was like, yeah. I, first of all, I'm not as pretty as these girls. And like, she's famous. And like, so I texted my brother and I was like, Justin, I was like, I think I'm going to leave. I was like, I don't know why I'm here. And he literally said to me, he calls me Nuna, which is like older sister in Korean. Yeah. He goes, Nuna, he's like, there is a reason why you're there. He's like, you're just as good, good as all these other women. He's like, you better stay and kick ass. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so then um, the girl goes in and I wait my turn and I go in and it was by far, even today I could say the most intense audition I've ever had. Yeah. It was like 45 minutes of like, they threw everything at me, right? Cause they just wanted to see like, am I capable of being the host for VH1? And basically long story short, four months, they, I auditioned, I did callbacks, I did meetings. And then one day I got a call from my manager and she was like, girl, they want you. And I'm like, what? And they're like, not only do they want you for that, I had had meetings with VH1's morning show called Big Morning Buzz Live, which is going to be hosted by Nick Lachey, which he's like this, um, he's 98 degrees, like lead singer, yep. he's gonna be married to, yeah. They're going to be hosted by him. They want you on the show. And I was, and literally I went from cleaning dog poop to like, leaving all of that behind. And I was on live TV five days a week. I was going to the Grammys. I was, I mean, I was just doing all these things and that's when everything really started to pick up and happen for me. But before then I was a host for MTV Korea. So like I had had Got my it. taste. I had, I had done like live shows in the same studios as TRL. Yeah. I had fans outside. Like it was a very surreal moment for me. Um, but I think that just showed me like, damn, like you could really, if you envision it and you believe in it, like you can make all that you can make all those things come true. So, yeah. You can, and it's so scary, right? It's so mm -hmm. scary to like lean into that once you start mm -hmm. to realize that. And I loved that story that you tell about um, the VH1 audition and your brother sort of being like, look, you are there for a reason. And, you know, it's so important mm -hmm. to really remember that like you're in that room already, right? Like you are there, you're like, yep. don't worry about anybody else. You are you. Yep. And, you know, a lot of times people think like, oh, I can't like, pursue the thing because the market's saturated and, da, 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 and it's like no yeah. no no no. there's a there's reason nobody like you yeah exactly exactly um love that love that story so let's get into so i know that there's been the big shake up at viacom you got a yeah. lot going on we're going we're on high and then it's just sort of like right um yeah. talk to us a little bit about that and then we'll sort of sort of segue that into sort of the k-pop aspect right yeah um so viacom had this huge uh, layoff and so many people every day were getting laid off from every department and I thought I was okay and you could tell probably as months passed that like mm, I don't think I was going to be okay and then I was sent to the office and they were like this is it like you know every team was gone at that point and 
I really fell into a deep hole because I think that I had worked so hard to get to that place. And I thought that from there on, I would just skyrocket. But as life and this industry, it's not like that. And so I fell into a really, really deep hole. I was in a really dark place. But during that time, I was like, I got to grind. And I started grinding and I just started booking a lot of things. And that's when I started acting more. And I was like, I booked my first female lead in independent film. So like, it showed me too that like, even when you're down, there are lessons to learn and like, you'll always get back up. Like the universe is never going to not give you an opportunity. And so um, that's when I started booking a lot of other things. And that's when I started doing Wendy Williams and like, I started, it's just a lot of things started to happen. It was really, it was interesting for sure. Yeah. It makes me me really miss New York actually. But anyways, go ahead. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, (laughs) you know, I've never been a huge New York person, but I understand people who are really New York people, right? Um, sure. I'm more of an LA girl, but, uh, mm. but I really, I really understand it. Um, so then you're working on Wendy Williams, you're doing all these different shows and things like that. So you're mm. just getting back into it and then you start to do sort of more recently, right? These K-pop interviews, right? And yeah. I have to tell you, my favorite one with you was probably Lay from mm. XO. Uh, so XO yeah. is a K-pop group from South Korea, like 13 members. And then now it's nine members and yeah. Lay is one of the members from China also doing his own solo work really great but like that interview (laughs) it was just like this is what I was just like oh my gosh because I just you are so your ability to make people comfortable but also like sort of you know get to the questions and things like that is so apparent on screen um so talk to us a little bit about those interviews you know like what was it really like again you're really back to the k-pop scene again you know how are you feeling about that yeah I always say this thing that K-pop never, every time I try to leave K-pop, it always comes back into my life. Always back. <laughs> yeah, always. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I became the host over at iHeartRadio, their video digital host. So I was doing all of their interviews where whenever artists would come in, I was doing interviews. And that's when K-pop started, you know, K-pop's always been on the rise steadily, right. but I feel like it really started taking over. So all these K-pop uh, groups started coming in. And at that point, I had tapped out of K-pop, so I didn't really know that much, but I was like, oh, cool, like, all these people are coming in, like, let me research them. And I think that, by far, to to, to date, they're always my favorite interviews. I think, obviously, there's a connection between me and them, because, you know, we're Asian, we're Korean. Um, I'm not fluent in Korean, but I understand the culture and the language, and I know how to, like, I just know how to make people feel comfortable. I feel like that's just something that I've learned over my span of my career, and so, um, yeah, I just started doing them and they started taking off. And I think the first one that I did was with EXO and I knew, I knew of them, but I didn't really know anything about them. Like I did my research, but I didn't know their fandom or anything like that. And for me, when I walk into anything, even if it's JLo or EXO or whatever, I just see them as human. And so my whole goal is how can I make them my friend in a matter of seconds? And so uh, when I walked in, it was just, it's all about just making people feel like we're on a very even equal ground. Right. And as soon as you break them with like a compliment or a laugh, like they're in and they trust you. And my job is to do all of that. And I think that's the reason why people like watching my interviews is because I'm not treating it like this is my job. And it's like, you're a stranger and like, you're really intriguing. And I would love to just figure you out. Like, I'm curious about you. And I yeah. think that really unfolds on camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Um, and I think that's, yeah, definitely why a lot of people, I even saw 
on your most recent, one of your most recent uploads about um, you were giving tips on TV hosting. It was your mm -hmm. tip number one. And I think like in the comments, people were like, EXO's fans love you. Like da, 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 yeah, you yeah. have your own fandom within their yeah, fandom now. Yeah. So I think that That's definitely is, is important. How do you, and this sort of relates back to the question that I asked earlier, right? But how do you, you know, establish that comfort, but also mm -hmm. remain authentically yourself in an industry that is going to consistently try and tell you that you should act this way, you should do this, you should have asked this question, things like that. How do you sure. really maintain your core? You know, it's so funny, like um, when Lay and his team came in, you know, he's a very busy man, so they're on a time yes. crunch. And I remember he, Lay had come in and he had been doing press all day, like he was jet lagged, all this stuff. And you could tell like, they just wanted to like, they're, they're, there's like a lot of press that needs to happen. And we started the interview and there's this moment where he really, catches my energy and we start going on this ride together and there's a point where his team was like we got to go like wrap it up like in the background and lay stops the interview he goes no 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 he's like don't do that he's like i want to stay like i want this to like i want to do this and his team was like oh okay and i was like what what right, right. like but, what are you gonna do <laughs> yeah what are you gonna do but i think it's about you know, what I, don't, I think what people don't understand is like, we are all one, we are all equal. It doesn't really matter how famous or rich someone is, like if they act a certain way, because they think that, you know, they're on a pedestal, that's fine for them. But I'm all about making people feel like loved and like comfortable. But I'm also about like, you're not higher than me. Nobody is higher or lower in this hierarchy right now. You may be more rich than me or like more famous than me. But like, at, at the end of the day, like, I'm not going to treat you like as if like, you know, you're Jesus Christ. Right. right so I right. think as soon as I establish that my whole thing is literally like an L I'm sure like, as you know, you do this more and more, it becomes like boot camp. you know, you just understand how to disarm people. And I think I became a master at uh, sensing energy as well. And yeah. like my job as a host is if somebody comes in and their energy is at 20%, my job is to recognize that and be like, let me make up for your 80 and, but then also be a hundred because as much as it's about the talent, it's also about me because I'm here to make you shine, but also like, I'm not going to lose my light while like right. I'm doing right. this thing. And so I think the biggest compliment I get is like, people are like, I came here this interview for an artist, but I left standing Ellie. And like, for me, it's not about like stand me. It's about like, no, you recognize that I hold my ground even in this situation and I and I think that's come over time but it's also about like you look at these people and you're like oh you have eye boogers or like you got dandruff in your hair or like you know you're a little crusty like you just realize they're human and as soon as you see that you're like you're just like me like it's fine yep. let's have let's have this conversation and I think that's the magic behind making something really feel yeah. authentic I love that you said that because it definitely was evident in your interview with Lei, but also in your interview with Jackson Wong, that was yes. like another one where it was very clear that like he was feeding off of your energy, you were feeding yes. off of his, but it wasn't like he's Jackson Wong, the superstar. It was literally like, this is Jackson Wong and like what he wants to do and who he is and things like that. So I love that you mentioned that. It also yeah. kind of relates to sort of what you're sort of doing now, right? So you talked about your awakening on your channel, your spiritual mm -hmm. awakening and how you're trying mm -hmm. to help people sort of really get to that. Talk to us a little bit more about that sort of aspect, right? And how yeah. that, because I've seen it through your whole career, right? Like it's always been there, but now you're mm. really verbalizing it and you're really leaning into it. So talk to us a little bit about the energy. You're vibrating at a higher frequency. You're trying to bring everybody with you. 
what's going on. Tell us about that. Oh my God, first of all, I love you. I really like you, Ella. <laughs> oh, thank you. I like you. <laughs> I like you. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for um, just even noticing that. I think, especially for people that follow me, they, they can definitely see a change within me. And um, this awakening has been the most profound experience of my life. Uh, I think culturally growing up, and I'm sure you know this too, like we're just not taught in society about self-love and especially meeting Korean like. <laughs> Korean culture is not anything about love yourself. It's about serve everybody else, and then I guess like you can serve yourself. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so uh, when I a year and a half ago I packed up my life in New York with my late my long my long term relationship, and we moved to LA. And uh, it was a scary move, but I always said that I would never do this move by myself. But the first month that I landed in LA, I started really freaking out because I think that in my mind, I was like, when I get to LA, I'll be a star. But like, and even though I was working a lot in New York, I was just like, LA is like the pinnacle, right? And then when I got to LA, I started like spiraling because I was like, it was like the pressure that I put on myself was mm. a lot. And the way that I am is like, I want everything now. And I was really in a desperate place. And I reached out to my friend and she kind of guided me into like, um, all of these videos of like the law of attraction, the law of manifestation. And I had never heard of any of these things before. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was a lot of my child work and like my inner child and like my self-love. And I was like, mm, okay, let's, let's see what this is about. And when I started taking a deep dive into myself, I realized I was a mess and I realized I had no self-worth and no self-love. Yeah. And I was completely codependent on my relationship and friendships. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't know how to navigate my, my own light. And when I started doing this deep dive into me, I decided to leave this very, you know, this relationship that I've been in for four years. Mm -hmm. And I started this journey on my own. And this year and a half has been the hardest, but mm -hmm. most enlightening year of my life. And there's nothing, every experience, no matter how hard it was, like, you know, I've always struggled with mental health, mental illness. I've always had like severe depression and like anxiety. And I went through it this year and I'm going through a stage right now where it's very, it's very big in my life. But um, yeah, this awakening has been, it's, it's better than anything I've ever experienced. So, and I know that this is just the beginning. So it's been it's been pretty phenomenal, but you know, yeah. it's an everyday thing. It's, it's a moment to moment thing. And, um, definitely has his heartache. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah. I remember when I first I had my first, I didn't start dating until I was like 25. Right. And then mm -hmm. I had my first relationship and it was like love at first sight. It was so amazing. It was like a year and a half and then it ended. Right. And it ended sort of out of the blue, although we mm -hmm. can talk about if out of the blue actually exists. Right. And yeah. I was just, devastated but the thing that my mother told me and she actually she wasn't in AA but she got it from AA my mom just knows a lot about a lot of different things um but she was just like one day at a time one step in front of the other at in a row yeah. right so like just one day at a time in a row you're just going through those motions right and I yeah. thought that really helped me come out of like you know because I also suffer with those things and so it was like it was definitely helping me sort of work through that process right but it's so important to actually like recognize it right and that but it's also so tough right and you mm -hmm. talked about that you touched on how it's been a really tough year right like it's been yeah. a real a growth moment right and when we feel those moments of growth it's you mm -hmm. know you're almost like 
ooh, I don't know where this is going, but I'm going to be mm-hmm. okay, right? Um, but it's yeah. so hard to really like dig into those and things like that. But I've been seeing you mm-hmm. doing the work. I know that you are also offering and like helping other people. Talk to us a little bit about how you're using your experience to sort of help others and really guide them to to their own awakenings. I think that I've always I've always felt like I was special and 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 I know that sounds really obnoxious and egoic but I mean that in a sense of like at first I thought all my life I was like there's something different about me and I always thought it was because like I was meant to be like a big star like a big actor like a big host and I think during this awakening like sure those are definitely earthly desires of mine for sure I think that on an egoic and earthly level and an artistic level, there's something about acting and hosting that really fills me. And I think it's definitely part of my purpose. But this awakening has shown me that in actuality, like my purpose is much greater than that, than just like entertaining people. I think my purpose is really about bringing people to their light and igniting others. And I say that because all of these years, I realized that I thought that I was chasing a goal. But in actuality, I've just been in this very intense training process of, I think many people, everybody has gifts. And I think one of my gifts is my voice. And I think it's my passion. And I just, when I'm fueled up or I'm feeling passionate about something, I inevitably, that energy just transfers to another person. And I, they feel me on a very deep soul level. And I, and I really truly see like, that's just a part of my gift and my purpose. And I think I've pivoted now and being like, okay, earthly Ellie and like egoic Ellie definitely wants all of, like wants to be in movies, wants to be in TV shows, wants to host game shows, like all that stuff for sure. Um, But I think on a purposeful level, like I'm not here to serve my ego. I'm here Mm -hmm. to serve the collective and humanity. And as I fall in love with myself more, as I learn that duality um, and uh, just negativity and hate uh, does not serve our collective and our planet and the energies around us that it's actually about love and compassion. And when I started these TV hosting classes, I first started TV hosting classes because when COVID hit and all, you know, nobody was working, I wasn't getting unemployment. There was like a a lot of things wrong with my unemployment. So I was like, I'm just going to do these group classes and see if anybody bites. And I realized actually it was the biggest blessing in disguise because I realized I love teaching. Number one, I love, um, connecting with others and I infuse a lot of self-love into my TV hosting classes because so much of this industry is about confidence and it's about like walking into a room and being like oh y'all look like me but you're not like me you know like I bring something so different to the table and then while all this was happening everybody's like you should just do self-love courses so I started these self-love courses and as soon as I did my first one there were women in my my first class were crying and it wasn't because I was like making them cry. It was because I was saying things that were igniting and waking up who they truly were inside beyond this physical realm, beyond this physical body, beyond this, beyond this physical existence, like who you are on a deep soul level and what you're here to do. And I, I mean, I was just as nervous for that class as if I was about to go on live TV. And I realized like when you're working your purpose life, it is the most gratifying, fulfilling feeling in the world because it's bigger than you. And I realized in that moment, this is bigger than me. I'm just a conduit. I'm a guide. And yes, I'm on my own path, but I'm also here as I ignite to help others ignite as well. And I just opened my Friday night class and 
you know, it was crazy. I was struggling a lot because a lot of people weren't signing up. And I was like, you know what, let it all go. Like whoever's divinely guided to me is going to be divinely guided. And I had four women sign up and it was magical and it was beautiful. And at the end of the class, I had one girl, she raised her hand. She's like, my chest is on fire and my body's vibrating. And it's, um, and it's literally, it's like, because you're remembering who you are. It's because you're learning that self-love is the answer to everything. Self-love is the answer to manifesting the life of your dreams, period, end of story. If you have no self-love and no self-worth, like, good luck, you know, it's, it, and, and even, like, even look at people who are narcissistic, like Trump, like, he really loves himself, and he really believes himself, that's why he can manifest all of these in, insane things. In a really and crazy way, yes. In a really crazy way, but people don't understand that everything's yep. energy, everything's yeah. vibration, everything is frequency, and so um, it's been really eye-opening, but, you know, I'm definitely going through a lot, like, a lot as as everybody else is you know this definitely has not been the easiest year but also I I wouldn't take anything uh, back because I've grown and I continue to grow just so much yeah and think about it you're just on the first life here we're just on the exactly. new soul first I, life version, exactly right? so your impact is gonna yeah. be generational right like yeah. you're curing generational totally. traumas absolutely. and things like that right like absolutely oof. Chill. absolutely and um, and and so many of us are here to do that yeah right now yeah, yeah. but until you until you realize it right yes right. you're just sort of coasting and you're feeding into the ego like you said right and you're not really really digging into it um i will definitely put links below for everybody to go check out um book a session with ellie make sure that you are either booking her for the tv or for self-love or all those different things i will put all the links below also put some links to um her other interviews as well as her youtube channel and um, definitely do that. Um, talk to us a little bit about, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit about yeah. your vegan. Yeah. Correct. Okay. So talk yes. to us a little bit about that. I've been very, I'm like 70% of the way, like, yes. maybe I should try it. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of scared. I don't know. You know, I've always had a very weird relationship with food. I think that um, I grew up, I was never like a skinny Korean girl. I was, was mm-hmm. chubby. And in Korean culture, like being chubby or having weight on you is never something that they love. And so all my life, I was always told like, you need to lose weight or you're too big or you're too this or you're too that. And so, and I always had this very weird relationship. Every time like I would eat food, I'd be like, I don't feel connected to this. And um, I read this book in probably when I was working my nine to five, so like 2011-ish, it was called Eating Animals. And it was all about factory farming in this country. And the mistreatment of animals and what we do to them to, you know, cows and pigs and chickens. And it was so eye-opening and so traumatic for me to read what was happening beyond, like, I, you, you never think about how do they mm-hmm. end up in the grocery store and onto the plate. And what people don't understand is like factory farming is so horrendous and so disgusting and what they do to the animals and how they torture them before they kill them like we are eating all of that trauma people don't understand that like all of that fear in in the animal like we are also consuming that when i read that i again i'm very passionate so i went no pun intended cold turkey and so after i read that book i cut out all meat one night and i was always the kind of person i was like i can't cut out chicken like chicken's my life cut Mm. everything out and then a year after that, I started cutting dairy out and then I started cutting eggs out and then the fish was the last one for me. And then I cut out, I was like, go big or go home. And so I cut out all seafood, which was my favorite thing in the world. Mm. And I plan based now for maybe close to four. And 
it has been the most life-changing experience mm-hmm. aside from this awakening of my life. I think that um, when you do something that's against the grain and it really feels authentic to you, because I think that there's certain people who become a vegan because it's trendy or they become a vegan because right, right. of acceptance and like that's deeper things I need to work into. But for me, it was always about ethical reasons and like my love for animals and like, how could I, I was a dog rescuer for 15 years. So I was like, how can I do anything for a dog but then go home and like eat pork? Like that, that just didn't sit right with me. And so I gave everything up and I fell in love with food for the first time because it was like, it was a challenge. It was like, well, how can I reverse 30 something years of me eating the same thing? Mm. And how can I learn how to do everything by using food that comes from the earth? And so um, I have this amazing connection with food now. I feel like I respect food in a whole different way. I feel Mm. like I understand people who like, you know, grow their own vegetables and their own fruit and just understanding that like mother nature is so abundant and like we could totally be, you know, full of nutrition through this was intensely fascinating for me. And like now veganism is obviously huge and like, it's really beautiful to see. And so for, that's how I started. And it it really, I felt like when I became plant-based, I was like, oh, this was always the true me. That's why Mm. I felt like I never had this connection with food. This Mm. was always supposed to be a part of my journey. And so I felt like a piece of my soul came back when I really decided to go vegan. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, she's going to talk about this part, this part. But then, yeah, you got there. That is, yeah, I'll have to definitely dig into it. um, Because it's just, I have like skin stuff and like all these new things. And I'm like, okay. And I've seen so many people really benefit from from it. Yeah. Um, but I think I need to find like my reason. And protein is really big for me. So trying to figure out where I would get a lot of my protein because I can't really have too much of certain things. And so it's like trying to figure all of that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, so I'm vegan. And well, and I saw you, I think it was on your Instagram story or something like that. You made like this bibimbap bowl that yes. looked so good. And yeah, I was just I'll like, the recipe. can I just, be, I literally would love that. Um, yes. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up a little bit. Anything else that you want to promote? Any other things, Ellie? All all things, Ellie, right now. Yeah. So you know, definitely follow me on my Instagram, my TikTok, um, Ellieyj Lee. Okay. Um, I mean, I'd love to like drop some nuggets on for yeah. you know your listeners and maybe yeah. for you, Ella, too. It's like yeah. And you know, you're a great example of someone who takes a leap of faith and like who goes and does it. And I think what people need to understand is. Um, stop following the footsteps in what society tells you who to be and what to do. Mm-hmm. I think when you truly come into your own power and you look at society and go, mm-hmm, I'm not following any of these rules. I'm not letting you control a program anymore. Um, you start deprogramming, you start rewiring. And what people need to understand is everything is within inside of you. Every answer you seek, every um, just uh, everything you want to be is already there. And if you can envision it, there is already a timeline of a higher version of you living your dream life. And they just are waiting for you to come home. And our job is to become and integrate into the highest version of ourselves on this planet. What people don't understand is you can have heaven on earth. You are the creator of your reality. And you can choose um, sadness or you can choose to be strong and have happiness and choose um choices that are going to fuel you and not bring you down i think so many people think that they need to choose toxic toxicity or they need to choose things or situations or jobs because they don't know their worth and mm-hmm. i'm here to tell you that you are worthy of all that abundance you are worthy of the greatest love you are worthy of your dream career but it all comes down to you and how much you value yourself and you care about yourself so love yourselves like go deep like 
there's this affirmation that I love and it's, it's, I'm busy becoming whole again. Everybody else is waiting. And it's like, what people don't understand is like, when you become whole, you inevitably are going to affect people on such a greater scale. But if you show up everywhere, giving every part of you to everyone, like how can you show up in your fullness and your wholeness? And so let it go. Walk away from things. Get deep within yourself. Love yourself. And then show up in the world so much stronger and the best version of yourself and then see what happens. Magic is everywhere. Everywhere. Gratitude, gratitude. <laughs> I always um, I always end my interviews with like a random question, sort of not related. This yeah. one's kind of related to what we talked about. Yeah. Um, but it's usually like a this or that question. Um, so, tofu or tempeh? Tofu. All the way. All the way. All the way, all the way. I'm always just like, what are people going to choose? And I think that I know. And then I'm like, no, okay, yeah. Good to know. Good to know. I will yeah, definitely yeah. Uh, get some tofu and, and get it. Yes. So thank yes. you so, so much, thank Ellie. You, thank you, Thank you for your time. This was so amazing. I'm so oh, glad that we were amazing. able to connect. And um, yeah, thank you so, so much. Love you, Ella. Love you.